0: peace of Christ be with you
1: and also with you.
0: Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us today. We are just delighted that you're here with us. On each one of the pews, on the near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you take it and fill it out. Let us know that you're here, and then pass it down the row so that other people can sign in too. Uh, the announcements are inside of your bulletin, on our connections, and uh, lots of things are happening this fall. So there are lots of startups that are. Uh, that I'm going to tell you about today. Our chancel choir begins in a little over a week on Thursday night. If you've ever thought about singing in choir, come and give it a try. I've been rehearsing with them and it's lots of fun. I I think you would like it, so uh, they would love to have you join them. Also our book talk group in November is going to be discussing the book Mudbound. We have sold out on almost all the copies that we have available, but we do have about three more that'll be available on the patio after this service today and probably not after next service. Um, We are planning a trip to Greece with with me and with Beth and with Anna and George Kafalas at the end of April. Those dates are going to be pushed back one day. So instead of leaving April 28th, we're leaving Monday the 29th, and we're coming home the 14th. If you are on the interest list, you you already got an email about that and you got the link about how to register. And there are about three weeks now in which we need you to register and put a a deposit down. If you are not on the interest list and you want to be, you can sign up out there on the patio today for that. Our Third Friday group invites you to join them in September when they are going to have a potluck and they're going to hear the, the player called Sexophobia. He uh, is a longtime member of the Side Street Strutters at Disneyland, and he has a collection of over 200 saxophones. We heard him play at the Mammoth Jazz Festival, and he is amazing, and he will bring several of his saxophones, things that you have never seen before as our program that evening, and he is a lot of fun too. So yeah, they are beginning signups today for third Friday for September. Also, our children's ministry and preschool have cleaned out their cupboards, and they have a giveaway children's books happening over in Tank Hall. If uh, you, as a grandparent or a parent, would like to have some books, go and check them out. I know a few people already went by and took a few and hid them in their car so that you can't have those. Um, But there are more over there, so they're lovely children's picture books. And today is a birthday, and so we wish happy birthday to Peg Donner. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. God, we joyously come together this morning in worship,
2: realizing that we do not need to summon you into our midst, for you are already here. We need not call you into the secret places of our hearts, for you are already there. What we need is our eyes of faith to be opened, that we may see you, our ears unstopped this morning, that we might hear you, and our minds to be sensitive, O Lord, that we might know you. O Lord, our hearts need to be made tender, that we might receive you. Father, may each person here receive a blessing this day, as each one has need. We pray this In the wonderful name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
3: And please join me in our responsive call to worship. You who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because As you have made, made the, Lord, your, your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place. No, no evil shall befall you. No, befall you, no scourge come near your tent. tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. All On the their hands, hands they, they will bear, bear you up, so, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When, when they, they call to me, me, I will, will answer, answer them. them. I will be with them in trouble. I, I will, will rescue, rescue them, them and honor them. And honor him. With long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. Let us stand and sing our praise to God.
1: In the name of the Spirit, Lord, we come, we gather together, to lift up your name, to call on our Savior, to fall on your grave. Blessed be your name. When the sun's shining down on me. When the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your Every blessing. Every, every blessing. blessing.
0: The calls us to come to the Lord and to tell him the truth about ourselves. Remember that our Lord Jesus Christ is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. In every respect, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us pray responsibly. God of exodus and wilderness, God of refuge and help. In times of temptation, we forget what you've done for us. Hear us now as we make our confession to you. You give us everything we need, yet we often remain unsatisfied. You trust us to care for creation, yet we often abuse that trust and spoil what we have been given. You show us the way we are to follow. Yet we often continue on the path of self indulgence and self centeredness. Forgive us, we pray, as we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. My friends, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old is passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us through Christ, to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Receive the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: Church join me as we sing Speak O Lord where the music is in your insert let us that, let that be part of our prayer this
0: morning
2: prayer, church. Speak, O Lord. Renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Words of power, church, that can never fail. Let their truth prevail. O Lord, build your church through us. I invite you now to join in reading with me the scripture text for this morning. It comes to us from Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. It's found on page 61 in the New Testament portion of the Pew Bible. It's a great sound, pages turning. One of my favorites. Brothers and sisters, let us attend to the word of God as it comes to us this morning from Luke chapter four, verses one through 15, written for us in this book that we love. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Well, then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all of the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it was given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, and has also said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished every test, he departed from Jesus until an opportune time. And then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I had a scary experience this week. Pastor Tankersley showed up and said, What is this about closed doors? And I said... (laughs) What are you talking about? And I'd forgotten it was out on the marquee. So I had a chance to give him a preview of the sermon, and he approved, thank God. So here we are. So if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we've been engaged in a series of sermons based on the text from Revelation 3 through 7. And it's the word of God to the church in Philadelphia, the vision that John saw, saying that God is the one who opens doors that no one may close, and God closes doors that no human may open. Amen. We've been talking so far about open doors, but what about closed doors? Ortberg, in his book, All the Places to Go, How Will You Know?, which we've been using in the background for this sermon series this summer, has entitled his chapter that we're in Thank God for closed doors. Now, I've added the question mark. Thank God for closed doors? I've added it because I think that thanking God for closed doors doesn't always come easy. It's not always quick. Thanking God, for some of those closed doors when there's been suffering and loss may take the long journey of time and it may take the long arm of our healing God to mend our broken hearts. As a church, we are experiencing an ending. We're in that, uh, as uh, Mike Regal preached, we're in that liminal space, that threshold that we are walking through uh, before a new beginning. We find ourselves in a season of change that we haven't experienced before. Reverend Dr. Jerry Tankersley was senior pastor for 46 years. You realize that's six years longer than they wandered in the wilderness, right? I didn't tell him that part. And Jerry was honorably retired on June 30th of this year. Now, I say all this because this sort of longevity and this fidelity is really a gift. And... It's something to be grateful for and proud of, both for Jerry and for us. Because that sort of longevity and fidelity doesn't always happen. And we have been blessed. Amen? So this morning I want to reflect a bit on closed doors. How does God use closed doors? So I'll give you a minute to think about this question Have you ever experienced? a closed door that you can look back on now and give thanks for? But have you ever experienced a closed door that you look back on that's hard to understand, harder to give thanks for, where all we can do is entrust ourselves, and our loved ones into the loving care of God and do that as best we can. Well, what about some of the closed doors now for us as a church? We are in, if I might, a Lenten season, even though it's August and since I'm standing here, you know it's the end of summer, so that's the joke around here. And it's proven true over these 12 years. But this is a season that's a wilderness, church, and I believe that God is welcoming us and calling us to be intentional during this time, to be faithful to our calling, and to lean in more fully to what God may be doing, that God may show us who we are as his people, prepare us and equip us for a mission that I believe we can neither imagine or even ask for that it's going to be bigger than that because our vision is limited. The temptation story we read is often read on that very first Sunday of Lent, which begins 40 days of contemplation, commitment to prayer, fasting, doing good deeds, outreach, and to seriously looking at our shadow side, which is really hard to do, isn't it? It's uncomfortable. And praying during that time more and more that we might have, that I might have, that you might have the mind of Christ, and that we might align ourselves with God's will and God's agenda and not our own will and our own agendas. Now, I thought if God is, if Jesus has been, truly tested in all the ways that we have church, but without sin as we read in Hebrews, then surely he has experienced and had experienced closed doors. And so I began to think about what some of those closed doors might have been. Maybe you can think of some. Closed hearts, the Pharisees and the scribes, certainly. How about the closed door of the institutionalized church? the established church, not interested. What about Gethsemane? Lord, if there be any other way, please let there be another way. And wrestling so much with that that he actually sweats blood and tears. I haven't been in that sort of Gethsemane. Close, but not that close. But there is no other way. The cross is the only way. And what about this closed door, the tomb? God raises Christ on the third day and the angels roll the stone away. It's a closed door that is now open that no one will shut. For church, the way of salvation has been open to us. The return to the garden, to intimacy and fellowship with our creator and with one another for a purpose. And then there's this one that we just read. It's the wilderness experience. How is God using this closed door? What purpose did it serve for Jesus? And what purpose might God have for us in this time of wilderness? Notice that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit. He leaves the Jordan. He's led by the Spirit into the wild where for 40 days he eats nothing. And there he's tested by the devil. Now, Jesus has just been baptized by John in the wilderness, and we're told by Luke that after Jesus was baptized and while he was praying, the heavens opened up, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form in the form of a dove. And he heard this voice from heaven saying, You are my Son, the Beloved, and in you I am well pleased. Now, between the baptism story and the wilderness story we read, there's a brief pause by Luke. He tells us Jesus begins his ministry at the age of 30, and he gives us a genealogy that differs from Matthew's. But the genealogy reminds us that Jesus' heritage is linked to King David. And Luke goes even further back and tells us that he is a son of Adam. Jesus is Messiah of Israel, And son of Adam, savior of the world. Amen. Now, I think that's quite a pedigree. You would expect, and I would think, that now it all begins. He's ready for ministry and mission. He should just go out and be a success. Right? But that's not what happens. Not at all. Jesus is baptized, he's turning to go back up to Galilee and what happens? The door is closed. And Jesus is turned around to go back out and led by the spirit into the wild, into the wilderness, into the barren land where for 40 days and 40 nights he is tested by Satan. Luke uses the word diabolos. Do you know that word diabolic? Diabalos Diablo. The one who teaches parables will be accused by Diablo, the one who throws and hurls accusations at Jesus so as to throw them through Jesus. And it is with that sort of anger and violence that this enemy hurls his temptations at the one who is filled with the Holy Spirit. One commentator says it's a clash of cosmic proportions and that even though Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and has heard the voice of the Father, Jesus must nevertheless discern God's will and align himself with that will if he is to take up his divine vocation. And so the devil is playing on Jesus' hunger and he says, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. I remember that Israel hungered in the wilderness and God's purpose in that was that they would know that God is desperate for them to learn that he will provide for all their needs. Jehovah Jireh. He's able to supply daily bread and when you collect on the day before the Sabbath, it'll be enough for the Sabbath as well. But we also remember that they grew tired of manna, which means, what is this? And they pined and became famished for the onions of Egypt where they were once oppressed slaves with no future and no hope, crying out to God for salvation. So having had no manna for 40 days, Jesus turns in his hunger and answers, Diablo and says, quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to live. Notice that Jesus doesn't engage the enemy in a theological discussion. Jesus doesn't try to reason with Diablos. Jesus simply makes a pronouncement. Quoting from Deuteronomy "One does not live by bread alone. Now Jesus doesn't quote the entire passage, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the enemy's not, he knows the enemy's not interested in a history lesson. The enemy's not interested in aligning himself with God's will and God's kingdom. The devil knows and recognizes who Jesus is. Since you are God's son, the enemy of God wants to tempt Jesus to exploit his status by urging him to use his power in his own way to serve his own ends and it's perilous because we are to ask will jesus's life become one of abusive power of turning stones to bread to feed and satisfy himself because he could you know jesus was there in the beginning he's the logos in the beginning the word was with god and the word was god and nothing came into being that wasn't that wasn't there that apart from him he made everything surely turning stones to bread is an easy thing for him to do he's going to turn water into wine will jesus surrender to physical hunger and impatience will jesus act out of a sense of entitlement out of self-need for self-fulfillment or even self-actualization all of which go against his messianic calling and the answer church is no, he will not. He uses God's word as a weapon to battle the enemy in the first test. Then there's the second test. The devil raises him up to a high mountain. He spreads out all the kingdoms, shows him, says they're going to be yours and all your splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them and I can turn them over to you. So worship me and they're yours. All of it, the whole works. Would Jesus submit to the ruler of this world in order to achieve good for the people of this world? And Jesus' weakened physical and mental state, will he realize that Satan misquotes and distorts, which is what he does, Psalm 2. Psalm 2 says, ask of me, God, not Satan. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession and Jesus refuses again backing his refusal with Deuteronomy worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God serve him with absolute single-heartedness you see Jesus will not take the shortcut road to glory and nor can we there are no shortcuts church through the wilderness i'm sorry we just have to walk through it with single-heartedness and focus. And then there's this third test, which is really amazing. The devil takes him up, puts him on the temple and says, if you're God's son, jump, because it's written. Isn't it interesting? Satan knows so much scripture. It's written that he's placed his angels in the care of you, and that if you jump... You're not even going to dash your toe against a stone. Now, Satan knows Psalm 91, which we read as the call to worship. And what's interesting to me is that what the enemy does and what is real wickedness is to know who God is, to know God's word, and then to distort it and to willfully work to thwart it. Will Jesus throw himself from the temple as a spectacle to bedazzle and win over the established religion and all the people gathered there offering sacrifices to God? Now, I wonder, did Satan think that Jesus would forget the rest of Psalm 91 or the beginning of Psalm 91? You, a reference to the Messiah, will tread on the lion and the adder The young lion and the serpent, you will trample underfoot. And so Jesus says, (laughs) yeah, it says that, but it also says this, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. And can you just hear the anger and the force of Jesus' voice as he makes this final pronouncement? don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. You see, Jesus knows who he is. Every time I think Satan says, well, if you are the Son of God, then Jesus says, I am the Son of God. I am the Beloved, and my Father is well-pleased with me. Hmm. One author notes that true Sonship and daughterhood is always established in the wilderness. Jesus, Son of God, emerges from the experience and the power of the Holy Spirit, aligned with God's purposes, ready now to take up his divinely ordained ministry in full obedience to God. And all this is to say that the real temptation is an offer not to fall in faithful obedience to the Father but to rise and count his equality with God as something both to be grasped and exploited. With the testing completed, Satan leaves and waits for another opportunity, and Jesus, the door is now open to go back to Galilee. I believe what Satan offers to Jesus and what Satan offers to us is a poor substitute for what the Father really has for us. Amen? I've been reading this, a book this summer by Barbara Brown Taylor called Bread of Angels. And here's what she says. And, and I read this. This was our devotional uh, last week in my covenant group, which I encourage you, if you are not in a Bible study, if you are not in a covenant group, please get in one. It will sustain you for the journey. Here's what she writes, when we see Jesus getting angry with those who could not hear or whose hearts were closed, it was because he could not stand the way people loved the things they could get for themselves better than they loved the things God wanted to give them. They were satisfied with nice things. Sumptuous feasts, good food when God wanted to give them the kingdom, they were content to live in the world with beggars and slaves and homeless, when God wanted to give them brothers and sisters. And they were happy to get by with the parts of the Bible that backed up their own way of life when God wanted to give them a new life altogether. Yes, in the wilderness, we experience disorientation. And you may feel that this morning. But God invites us in this time to be reorientated in ways that lead to life beyond any shabby substitutes the world may offer. Personally speaking, some closed doors in my own life have been much harder to understand or give thanks for than others my father's cancer, my brother's death. Those are hard to give thanks for. But there are some closed doors that we can be grateful for and thankful for, and there are, there's one in particular that I'm very thankful for. And it happened between the years of 1991 and 1996 when personal illness and family crisis closed off the door to ministry in Africa and opened the door to ministry to a very small family in Irvine, Mark and Linda Roberts, whose children at that time were eight eight weeks old and not yet born. And I was going to work there for six, six months, which turned into 15 years. And they are now 25 and 23. And the door closed to Africa, but opened to ministry here at Laguna Press in 1996. And I am forever grateful for Jerry Tankersley and his mentorship because he was the first person to say, would you lead worship in church on Sunday morning? And I was young like Abby and I said, yeah! (laughs) Had no idea. But through those six years of wilderness wandering, God brought deep healing into my life. He renewed my spirit, my identity, my vocation, and God was at work through this community rebirthing me and showing me how to surrender more and more to the will of God. And I learned two lessons. One, that there was not light at the end of the tunnel, but that the light of Christ is in the tunnel. He is with us. And the second thing I learned was that people will not see Christ in me until I come to see Christ in them. In the wilderness, we learn godly wisdom, And we learn how to apply knowledge in practical ways that bring lasting healing to the world. In the wilderness, we learn that we're deeply loved, forgiven, and that God is good. And I believe that in God's humor, we find that closed doors become open doors, that endings become beginnings, that nothing is wasted in God's economy of grace and love. I want to conclude with this quote from N.T. Wright. He puts it this way, Church paint sing preach dance sew, pray cook teach build dig wells work for justice write poems teach english visit the sick care for the orphan and stranger love neighbor as self because all of this will last into god's future for whatever we do to mend the world will last for eternity god has called us in this time not to flounder but to flourish as God feeds us with his word and equips us by his spirit, to live as co-workers church and partners with God in mending the world. To do this is to have the mind of Christ. So be it Lord, amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith from Philippians. Let us read it together church And became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross and therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You may be seated at church. Let us present our morning offering in faithfulness and gratitude for our great God.
0: Loving God, you've made us in your image, and you redeemed us through Jesus, your Son. We thank you that you watch our ways, and that you don't ever let us fall out of your loving hands. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Bring peace at long last in places that for too long have known only war and rumors of war. Work through our prayers for a greater justice, a greater respect for life on all sides, and a greater peace, all greater than we can even imagine. Give wisdom to the leaders of our land that we may be a people at peace among ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth surround with your ever-present love all those whose worlds have been shaken this week with the hurricane and flooding in hawaii the flooding in india with the fires may your grace give new hope in the very scene of disaster or failure we pray for all who face great temptation for those who worry and have much to worry about. For all in illness and pain, weary of the day, and fearful of the night. For all who face an anxious week, grant extra measures of your Spirit's presence and peace. In response to your extravagant goodness poured out on us, we bring you these gifts, asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your purposes in this community and in the world. Even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Hear
1: the joyful sound of our offering as your sins.
2: Thank you, Abby. I want to thank Abby and Jeff and Linda, Gabe, Ross, and Rob, Thor. Thank you for your music leadership, the offering up of your gifts. You are a blessing. You have been blessed to be a blessing, and you have been this morning. Thank you for that. I love this. Our God saves. Morning turns to songs of praise. Hear this benediction. Church, keep alert. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong let everything you do be done in love. Amen. I invite you, if you'd like, to be seated for the postlude. You will be blessed by it greatly.